I believed in myself. I believed in the product just because of all of the experiences around making it. The key is you got to believe in yourself. Believe that you have what it takes. CEOs often feel stuck in the grind of scaling their business and feel like they're missing out on the best parts of life, like family, friends, or travel. On this podcast, CEOs come to take themselves and their companies to the next level. Let's dive into the millionaire mind with your host, Dallin Schultz. Hey, welcome back to another Millionaire Mind episode where I have some of the most successful business owners sharing what motivates them to get out of bed every morning and how they elevate themselves and their companies to the next level. And I've got another great guest joining us today. Look, I've interviewed a lot of very successful business owners over these last five months. And in fact, a little side note here, we just released our 71st episode and last week crossed over the 50,000 download threshold. So super exciting and just an incredible experience this has been. And I couldn't have done it without you listening. So thank you. And if you found value in any episode or guest that I've had on thus far, the biggest way you could say thank you is by leaving me a review on Apple Podcasts. That would mean the world to me. So I've interviewed a lot of incredible guests. And if you've been listening for a while, I'm sure you've started picking up on some reoccurring themes. One that has really stuck out to me is perseverance. Starting and running a business can be really, really hard and frustrating. And that might be part of the reason you're listening today. It's because you're trying to find that one thing that will help you move the needle or get ahead. And there are a lot of concepts of business that simply can't be taught in school. You can't teach the emotional roller coaster a business owner puts themselves and oftentimes their families through. You can't teach discipline. You can't teach grit, willpower, and prepping your mind daily to face the challenges that will come your way. It's not if they come, it's when they come. So sure, you could talk about all these things, but any successful business owner will tell you it wasn't until they took action and experienced it themselves that they truly learned. So today, you're going to get another incredible journey of perseverance. And without further ado, I'd like to welcome our special guest, Eric Blair. Eric, appreciate you joining us today. Thank you. So Eric, why don't you just take a minute and share with our listener a little bit about who you are and what you do? Okay. Well, first of all, I like the way you started your podcast when you nailed every aspect of being a business owner. And, and when I was preparing for this podcast, the thought that kept coming to mind was perseverance and pushing forward. So a little bit about me. I was born in California, raised in Arizona, wanted to be a dentist until my senior year in high school and took a drafting class and realized I was actually really good at it, enjoyed it. So I went to school to be an architect, did architecture and got into the real estate field as a real estate agent and then a broker and did that till about 2007. And the market kind of took a crash and Went to work for a restaurant called Nito's Bakery and Cafe and was asked by some franchisees to be their business manager. I didn't know anything about restaurants. I just made sure I was upfront about that. And they said, well, we want you for your integrity and your business sense and your motivation. We'll teach you the restaurant part. And so I learned restaurants in about two months, what took them maybe 10 years and thousands of dollars in consulting. Gary and Colleen Worthington, the founders of Nito's, incredible, incredible people, shared a lot with me. and. Ended up opening a restaurant in 2010. We moved back to the small town that my wife was from after the passing of her mom from cancer. Thought we'd come back and help out her dad and her special needs brother. And we opened Kainoa's Wine Grill 
And you want to talk about going from one style of occupation to a complete other, that's about as extreme as it can get. But by far, the best thing I have ever done in my life is own this restaurant for multiple reasons. The challenge it gives me, the growth it has given me, the opportunity to persevere, which has always been just naturally part of my nature. It's amazing. We're 13 years into it right now, and we're a million-dollar company in a small town of maybe 33,000 people. I've already started franchising out. If you would have asked my 25-year-old self what I saw in my future, it definitely wasn't this. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. And what I found with a lot of guests we've had on the show is that where they're at today is not where they started. No. Like everybody has an individual journey. And that's why I've appreciated having this podcast so much, even just for myself, is learning and seeing how other people get to where they are and realizing that it very much is an individual journey for each person in business. Absolutely. So awesome. Awesome introduction gave our listener a very wide range of where we could go with this podcast. But what I'd like to ask you is, when did all this begin? When did your entrepreneurship journey really begin? So that's a great question. So when I was doing architecture, I always had a little side business called MKP Architecture. And when I came up with that in 97, my wife's name's Malia. My oldest daughter is Kalia with a K. And then I had a son, Parker. So I had two kids at the time. So I took the first letter of their their names, MKP, and started doing uh, small jobs that didn't compete with work. And so I was doing small remodels, things that we weren't interested in at Epic. Kind of got that inset of wanting to figure out my own deal. What was interesting is when I was down in Yuma, it gets very hot in Yuma. My wife has a sister that lives in Roy, Utah. I would drive them up to Roy. We'd spend a week up there as a family. I'd fly back for about three weeks during the hottest part of the summer and go back to work. And then I'd fly back three weeks later and drive the family back. I was at the Salt Lake airport and I saw a magazine, an entrepreneurial magazine. This probably would have been about 2005. And I bought that magazine and I read it on the way home. And what stood out to me most in that magazine was it was three different entrepreneurs that were kind of given this interview. All three of them said, if you want to start a business, the best thing you could do is work a minimum of six months in that field of the business you want to start. And that has always resonated with me because I've wanted to start my own business and leave a legacy for my family. And that is the one thing that has stood with me the most. Now, what was interesting is around 2006, I just had this knack or desire, I guess, to start a restaurant. And I don't know anything about culinary arts. I did a food class in high school, my junior year. That was just so I could have something to eat the last hour of school. (laughs) But I wanted to do that. And it was interesting because that was right at the same time that I was got in a conversation with Linda Runyon, who is the sister of Colleen Worthington, the founder of Neaters. And they were opening their first Neaters franchise in Yuma, Arizona. And that's when they approached me. So it was interesting how my feelings were already kind of leaning that way and led right into it. But it started four or five years previous that I started getting really serious about it. And the greatest advice that I read was, if you're going to start a business, be in that field for a minimum of six months and learn it. First of all, to see if you even love it. Second of all, to see if you understand it. And third of all, are you cut out 
to take on the sole responsibility of the person owning it and running it. That is some extremely sage advice. And some of the best entrepreneurs I know are people that were working already in an industry. And since they knew that industry, they recognized or saw an opportunity to then create a business to benefit that industry. And since they had that experience, since they saw how things were operated, it set them up to recognize that opportunity and then they took off with it. I think that's incredible advice. And you can often get paid to do it. You could get paid to yeah. learn it. Yes. Yes. Who doesn't like to get paid to learn or get paid on someone else's dime to figure out how you can, first of all, benefit their business and further down the road, end up benefiting yours. So it sounds like this really started earlier in your career. You were working as an architect for a big firm doing large custom homes, you said? Yes. It was and, a custom home builder. Yes. And you saw opportunities to make a little bit of side hustle income, just still using your skill set. It didn't conflict because it's all about integrity. It didn't conflict with the business I was currently working for because that's the first thing I'll tell anyone is integrity is the foundation of any business that once you've lost integrity, you've lost everything. And integrity will follow you everywhere. I agree. And you found this opportunity and you're like, hey, this is kind of nice working for myself a little bit on the weekends. It sounds like that's what really planted the seed to entrepreneurship and the thought of going off on your own. Correct? Yes. And then you just happened to be walking through the airport, saw this entrepreneur magazine. And at this point, the thoughts had already been in your mind. Why not? Maybe a $5 magazine. Let's check it out. But it sounds like that magazine and that time spent reading that. Would you say that was a pivotal moment for you? It was at that point where I started to make plans, where I started to look through a different lens. Okay, how do I make this reality? What do I want to do? What do I want to be involved in? And how do I start aligning myself with that opportunity to be able to learn it, to see if it's something I want to do? And when Needers came along, it was absolutely amazing. Now, something else that I wanted to insert real quick is... A big motivation for me was having a poor leader in your business or where you're working. You have a boss that doesn't give the expectation, doesn't tell you his expectation, but holds you to that expectation. It isn't real mature about how they handle certain things and in what situation and who's surrounding. I've had terrible bosses and then I've had great bosses. I've had two bosses that I can remember. All of my bosses basically an influence on how to be a better boss. For the bad ones, yeah, I don't want to be like him. But I had two of them. One of them was my broker in Yuma. His name was Ron Watson. Was so pivotal in how I conduct myself as a boss because he could come and set you straight on what you did wrong and he was very firm about it and you knew you messed up. But as soon as he told you it was done, he was over it and he didn't hold it against you. You instantly moved forward. And that was huge because I've had bosses that you do something wrong and they wouldn't talk to you for a week. And you're in the middle of a large project that you're trying to finalize for them, but they won't talk to you because they're mad at you. You know, it's just that dynamic was another thing that pushed me to want to be my own bosses because I wanted to be that boss like Ron Watson. I wanted to be the guy that says, this is my expectation. Do my expectation or else I'm going to come talk to you about it. And I tell everyone Now that I've gone over with you what went wrong and what I want to see change, you're good. 
You haven't slid in my eyes. You're not a lesser of an employee. You haven't lost my trust. Just move forward. So leadership was also a huge proponent in me wanting to kind of go out and start my own business. That was also a part. We could do episode after episode just on leadership and communication. And it's so critical and crucial to be an effective business owner. And listen, we've all been there. We've all had good bosses. We've all had poor bosses. But to Eric's point, we can learn from every situation that we've been in. I want to go back to this. I don't know how much magazine costs. I'm going to say a $5 magazine. Okay. Well, it was the airport. So they probably marked it up. So it's probably like 10 or 15. Put it this way. It was like, can I really afford this magazine? <laughs> That's kind of where I was financially in my I life. Love it. What is this magazine going to gain me? $7. I mean, that's a sandwich that I could be getting to eat on the way home. But people need to understand that I have not always, I was raised in a situation where we didn't have money. I played football and I couldn't even afford to buy a protective cup to play football because I didn't have money. That's how bad we were. I have a hard time spending money on something like that. But that $7 meant a lot. For me, it was a huge investment, but a great investment. And here's the deal. like Some of you might be chuckling at that $7. And looking back, Eric, you probably do as well. But at that time, it was a very big investment for you. And I did a whole lot of money in my pocket, you know. And, and, and I watched my credit card or the debit card. So I didn't want to have to answer to her, why are you buying a $7 magazine? But that little action. I want to say it was a big action for you at that point, but to some people, it might seem like a very little action was pivotal in your journey to entrepreneurship. And I want to make this very, very clear. Okay, If you're considering business, maybe you're already in business, there are very low ways to learn and to educate yourself, a very low cost effective ways to do this. This podcast is 100% free. Nobody pays for this podcast. I come out of pocket for it to deliver this material to you as the listener. There are a lot of very low expensive books, magazines. There's YouTube, right? There are so many ways for you to gain information in today's day and age. I'm going to come out and say it straight. You don't have an excuse. You no longer have an excuse as to why you're not gaining and obtaining the information that you want to do. And it really starts up here in the mind. What's between your two eyes? Now, Eric had already started, something already clicked in his brain. This was already front of his mind, where other times going through the airport, you probably walked past those entrepreneur magazines tons of times, but it just didn't really resonate with you. But wherever you were at in this journey at this time, it stuck out to you. It's the little actions or big actions, depending on where you're at in life, that are really going to make a difference. But you've got to take action. So awesome. Well, Eric, let's go on with your journey. So you got this magazine. It really sparked this interest of entrepreneurship. And it sounds like shortly after, is that when the opportunity to open up Neaters presented itself? Yes. Yeah. It was probably within a year and a half. I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this. The conversation that started with the Runyons that were opening the first franchise outside of Utah was because... They had put up a sign for this Neater's Bakery and Cafe, and I saw bakery. Well, there was an old restaurant type, I think it was like a sub shop or something that had, the building was for sale. And so I was already looking for a business. And so when I saw that, and then I saw bakery, I thought, hey, if I'm going to do a sandwich shop, bread is extremely important. I'm going to talk to them about their bakery. I just designed this big million dollar home for them. 
I have a friendship with them. And so I asked them, hey, I see you're getting ready to do a bakery. I'm thinking about basically opening the sandwich shop. May I buy bread from you? And that's when it clicked with them. Well, wait a second. He's getting out of architecture. He wants to be in a restaurant. And she told me at that moment, she goes, we're not a bakery like that. We're actually a sandwich. We do artesian breads that we make sandwiches out of. We also do the pastries. And then we have basically the gift basket. There's like four different businesses within Neaters. And that's what started that conversation. So for me seeing their sign and asking about their bakery to buy bread from them, opened up the conversation back to me about being their business manager. And it's just everything in hindsight is 2020. You can actually see the journey more clearly when you look back of the little things, like you said, the magazine, it all started with that magazine catching my eye, whether there was some kind of divine intervention or something, something pushed me to that magazine, which started that journey, which opened the conversation with needers that led to restaurant experience. And you had already been working with these people and eaters in a different capacity. Exactly. So, so they knew you. They yes. knew you were a person of integrity. They saw how you operated business. And that's why they were comfortable saying, hey, it's okay. You don't know anything about restaurants. We'll teach you about eaters. We need a good person. We need a good mind. We need a good business person. So I think that's important to note too. If you're listening to this, what you're currently doing, your career and what you're currently doing today may have direct impact on your future business, and you may not even realize it. Absolutely. Someone's always watching. And as we get further in this podcast, I'm going to tell you why that quote is so important. Somebody is always watching. Love it. We're going to take a quick commercial break. And then when we come back, I want to talk about how this launch of Neaters went for you and some of those challenges of opening a restaurant. And then I want to get into your restaurant, Kayanoa's, and really what drove that and some of the challenges and things that you overcame to make that as successful as it is. So we'll be back in just a few short moments. Hey guys, my name is Nate Hare. I'm the executive director at Directed IRA. Directed IRA is a company that exists to provide a solution for people that want to invest their retirement accounts, be it IRAs or old 401ks, into things like real estate or things outside of the stock market. If you want to invest your IRA or old 401k into investments like real estate, apartments, syndications, or the great investments that Rev Equity has to provide, make sure that you reach out to us. You can find our information on investwithrev.com or our website, www.directedira.com. Open a self-directed IRA and invest in alternatives today. All right. Welcome back. So Eric, let's just take a couple minutes and share with us that experience of launching this Neaters franchise, having no previous restaurant experience. So that was very intimidating. You know, you have to have confidence in yourself first and foremost. You have to believe in your natural skill set, your personality. So they had actually opened the Neaters and had it up and running and they were struggling. They mismanagement, miscommunication between different management styles inside there. And so when I came in, I was basically just supposed to be kind of helping them with their business side. How do we market here? How do we increase our sales? All this kind of stuff. And I ended up kind of getting into the restaurant. I remember in the first week, I was so blown away by how ill-prepared I would have been if I would open my own restaurant. Remember back to the work six months? I would have failed in the first week and never recovered. From the simple things of how much change to put in your drawer, what opens and what starts at which time, what's prepared first. Those things you don't learn 
unless you've been in the industry. So that first week to two weeks was extremely overwhelming. I say to a lot of people, fake it till you make it. And I guess I've been pretty good at that because I acted like I knew what was going on the entire time. And I am constantly making mental notes at every turn to where those nights, that first week, I'd go home completely exhausted and overwhelmed mentally from trying to just sort it all out and learn it without letting them know I didn't know what was going on. Even though we had had that discussion at the beginning and they were trying to train me, I wanted them to have confidence in me that I could do it. I knew I could do it. I know what my capabilities are. I know what my weak points are. And I know how to build a team around me to cover the weak points. So we got that one straightened out. It started running very efficiently. They decided to open a second one in Yuma, which blew my mind that they even opened the first one because Yuma doesn't seem like the neaters type restaurant, but there are people there that just love the artesian bread. They love the salad, the pastries. And so we opened the second one with my architectural background and ability to deal with municipalities on getting subdivisions approved, plats recorded, all that kind of stuff was very effective for needers as I helped them get not only the restaurant approved, but to get built, to get the HOA or the, there it's not a homeowners association, it's the development association to get the different materials approved. I remember hopping in my car and driving up to Phoenix to meet with them personally because I know that it's so much more effective to sit in front of somebody than it is to have an email conversation or a phone conversation and was able to fight to get stuff. We got it approved. And the learning process within two months, I was about as confident and as stable as I could be. You're always within six months. This is kind of my experience. In the first two months, you'll experience 75% of the problems that are going to happen in any business. And so in the next up to six months, you'll experience the other 25 rarity odd situations. And then all the way up to a year, be like maybe one or two experiences that you'll have to face. And then after that, you've pretty much experienced all of it. And it's huge to just make it through that beginning part. And if you can make it through that first part with the 75% of complications and handle them correctly, not necessarily it gets easier because every situation is different, especially the last 25% are going to be very rare oddities that you'd never imagine you'd have to deal with. And you gain that experience over that first year. And then after that, it's like having to make a U-turn in the middle of traffic. You have the confidence to do it, how to do it. You do it successfully and you move on. There's always surprises and things in any business. It doesn't matter if you're in the restaurant business, if you're in real estate, if you're in tech, software, whatever the case is, there's always surprises. And it's being able to to stay on your toes and be able to pivot and move and be able to adapt, especially in that first year and how critical it is to find a mentor. You learned so much in that first two to six months that wasn't on your dime. And it was the founders, Colleen and Gary Worthington. They used to be Subway franchisees when they kind of got tired of someone else having control over what they were doing and there's kind of a long story, but then they decided to open Neaters. Well, these two were so instrumental in teaching me. Colleen Worthington, to this day, will always be extremely special to me because of how willing and excited she was about, first of all, seeing what I was made of and knowing that I was worth spending the time on, and then taught me the little things that 
consistency is a form of quality. If you have time to lean, you have time to clean. There's always something that, that I love that. Right. And when I have four points to my restaurant that I'll share with you at that point, but a lot of this was inspired by Colleen. She is the one who really set my standard and pace to see the business side of a restaurant that is crucial in my success. Listen, find a mentor, whatever industry you're in, find someone that's done it before. They'll often, if you're doing things the right way, they'll often see a little bit of themselves in you and they'll want to work with you and collaborate. And you never know what opportunities that can open up just like it did for Eric here. So Eric, let's talk about this transition. You had a phenomenal experience getting involved with these needers and learning a lot about the restaurant business. And then you decided to go out and open up your own. So talk to the listener a little bit about that transition. So when I was down in Yuma and my in-laws are from a small town, Pima, Arizona, and my mother-in-law very quickly after being diagnosed with cancer, had passed away. And so my wife and I just felt very strongly we needed to move back. So I was kind of propelled to have to do something because there was nothing happening in 2009 on the way of architecture or real estate. Now I know restaurants. And so I wanted to do a restaurant and the clock is ticking because I have a limited amount of finances from selling my house and all of our stuff in Yuma to move back that I went back to a sandwich shop. Let's do a sandwich shop. Then I thought, well, maybe let's do a pizza, call it pizza your way, which now is everywhere. Mod pizza, all these ones where you go in, you do a personal pizza, they cook it in 10 minutes. Before I even knew about those, that was where my mind was. Whatever I did, I wanted to be able to franchise it. So it had to be something unique. Well, my wife is from Hawaiian descent. Her dad was born in Maui, raised in Oahu. And so my wife had told me, let's do a Hawaiian restaurant. And I thought, I don't know the Hawaiian food. I love the food, but I don't know it. And so I kind of pushed it aside, trying to acquire a building that I had my eyes on. I got in negotiations, fell out. And then two or three months, you know, two months later, he reached back out to me and says, okay, I'll sell you the building for this amount, which was perfect timing. And I told my wife, I said, hey, he's going to sell us the building. And so we got to talking. She goes, and I think we should do a Hawaiian restaurant. And this time it smacked me on the side of the head, like this is it, to where I couldn't stop thinking about, we're going to have this as our uniform. I want these kind of items. I want it to look like this. We're going to have surfboards everywhere. Being from California, I come from a family of surfers. I'm not really a surfer because I was raised mostly in Arizona, and that's disrespecting the surfers. Just because <laughs> I'm all my parents surf and I know how to surf, I'm not a surfer. Darn it, I wish I was. But anyway, it's kind of a cool title. But I wanted surfboards in the restaurant. I wanted this Hawaiian feel. If you've been to Hawaii, you have resort food and you have what's called plate lunch. Plate lunch is served in the go container. It's quick. You get it. You have a side of rice. You have a side of macaroni salad and then some kind of delicious sweet meat. I mean, these Hawaiians, they know how to make delicious food. So I started thinking about all these different things I wanted to do. And from then on, it was warp speed, like you see in Star Wars. Everything from then on was a blur, but I just kept moving forward. I played sports in high school, cross country. I ran cross country. I played football, track, all of that stuff. There was a saying that my coach shared with us in cross country was the hardest part of the race is uphill. And the way you run uphill is you lean into the hill. And that was powerful advice that I've used in, in any kind of trial or difficult situation is you lean into it. And so 
I just kept leaning forward and moving through all of this craziness that was happening around me. And next thing I know, I'm two weeks into being open. And I'm thinking, how did I get here? I don't know anything about Hawaiian food. I don't know anything about culinary arts. I just know that when I was looking at recipes, it was a crazy experience, but I could tell what would work, what needed to change, what to change, how much to change it, and started coming up developing these recipes. I've got the best tasters, being my father-in-law, who's Hawaiian. His best man from his marriage is a gentleman by the name of Jerry Hekakia. If you've ever lived in the Gila Valley, everyone knows who Jerry Hekakia is, the college volleyball coach. He was my other taste tester. He was very instrumental in, hey, Eric, you need to do this. You need to cut your katsu this way. Your pork needs to have this much liquid in it, blah, blah, blah. And it's unbelievable how it all, at the end, worked. I have these sauces that are amazing. I have these meats that are amazing. And what I've learned in the last 13 years is you can take pretty much any sauce that I have in the restaurant. Everything we make is made in-house. We make all our sauces from scratch, all of our meats. We flay all our chicken breasts. We slice all of our beef for all the different deals. But you can take any sauce with any meat and it works. There are people who spend a lifetime trying to crack that code and somehow it just works. What an incredible experience. And you said something a few minutes ago. You said it was just like a blur. Then all of a sudden you opened your eyes and like you're two weeks from opening. Did you ever have like any oh crap moments? Like, what am I doing? Yeah, every day. Every day. You <laughs> have it. It back to fake it till you make it. I believed in myself. I believed in the product just because of all of the experiences around making it. You know what I mean? The key is you got to believe in yourself. Believe that you have what it takes. And let me tell you something. It's 2009, beginning of 2010. We're in a recession. How often do restaurants make it in this world? What, 90% of them close in the first three years? And everyone's, even my super close friend, very successful businessman, worth a lot of money, and he's like a brother, and probably my number one cheerleader, excited about what I've accomplished. But at the beginning, he kept asking me, you sure, Eric? You sure you want to do this? You're going to put all your eggs in one basket. It's a restaurant. I know you know restaurants, but look at the market. You sure you want to do this? Everything told me not to do it, except I never told myself not to do it. You have to be grounded in your belief that you can do it. You do have to look at all the things around you, but look at what you're bringing to the table. Does it outweigh what everything your environment is telling you not to do? Absolutely. When I've tasted it and it's amazing, the sauces are amazing. When I get the meats down to the flavor they have, because I am on the mainland, a lot of people around here haven't had Hawaiian food. They're not going to know anything about it. You better make it what they say in Hawaii, broke the mouth. It better, those flavors better hit their mouth to where they want it, you know, as much as they can have it. And so these are the obstacles I was up against. I'm bringing in a style of food that no one's used to in a market that is a down market. A lot of people don't have money. Everyone's kind of holding on to their pockets, but everyone has to eat. And so I thought these are basically how I want to build it. It's got to be extremely delicious. It's got to be affordable and it's got to be fast. People don't have a lot of time for lunch. And so from the time they order to the time they get their food, when I first opened, our goal was five minutes or less. And we were really good about hitting that. Now that we're 
as busy as we are, it is a struggle. I need to build a new restaurant with a bigger kitchen. We, we are so maxed out. And so our, my times have slipped a little bit, but we're still working as fast as we can. But the other part is you've got to be consistent. People are coming in for the first time. They've got to, what they're receiving is going to have to be the same that they receive the next time and the next time. And I learned this back doing architecture. And then you start doing, you will do a set of plans for a subdivision. You have to build, when people come in, they look at a model home, they want that home. Your quality on the, what you're building in the field better match that model home because they can always go back and check it. Well, with food, can't necessarily check it. The two examples I used was if I'm in LA flying to New York and I am in the airport and I get a Big Mac in LA, I fly to New York and I'm like, man, that was a good Big Mac. I think I'm going to have another Big Mac tonight and you're in New York. That Big Mac better taste exactly the same because it's the same company, the same ingredients, the same policies and procedures. It should taste exactly the same. I would tell all my employees, they're buying the exact same thing from the exact same building. It better taste the same. If McDonald's can do that on each end of the United States, I better be doing that inside of my own building. And the other example I would use, and I used this one while I was um, in the home industry and, and designing, is everyone's had Pringle chips. Pringles are good chips. And then you have, I'm not trying to bash Walmart or anything because they, they, they're a great provider of, of market items, but great value. When I was down in Yuma, started doing their version of the Pringles. And when you you could take uh, those cans, turn them upside down and pull the, the, the cans up off them. The Pringles are all stacked nice and beautiful. You look at the great value ones and every single chip was a different shape. They didn't have a consistent shape. And, and I use that as an analogy, not to be rude to Walmart or the great value brand, but was to show people consistency. You walk up and you see these Pringles all lined up nicely and you see these great value ones. Which one's going to catch your eye that you're going to want to to eat, even though they taste the same, you know, all the way through that, it's going to taste the same. You taste with your eyes first when you see food, that's just what you do. And then you taste with your mouth. And so everything that comes out of our kitchen has to be done a certain way. And the other item is it better have the same taste. Like if we do a lot of wraps, that first bite of the wrap better taste exactly the same as the last bite of the wrap. Not all lettuce in one bite and all tortilla in the last. I survived off Taco Bell when I was in college and working construction right after high school. I love sour cream and I love it. And their bean and cheese burritos. And I use Taco Bell as an example. My first bite tells me which end the sour cream's at. And it's not all the way through the burrito. <laughs> it's always going to be on one end or the other. And I love Taco Bell. Even to this day, I still love to, to eat Taco Bell. But I use them as an example of, I don't want to be like that. I want that customer yeah. to know you this end. It's going to taste the same as that end. And the sauces, last thing I'm going to, before we go on to the next part, because it's about consistency, is I will catch employees putting too much sauce or not enough sauce. And I'll ask them, why are you doing that? And And they will say, well, I don't like that much sauce, or I don't think it has enough sauce. And I have to remind them, this is not for you. This is for the customer. We make it exactly the same every single time so they know what to expect then they will make the adjustment at the register of light sauce or extra sauce. Yes. And, and that consistency is a huge deal. And it's not just in the restaurants. It's everything. I don't care what your business is. If you're a framer, if you're a drywall contractor, if you're a shoe manufacturer, 
you have to be consistent. Every size 10 shoe better be the same size 10 shoe. So I know as the consumer, when I put it on, every time I buy that brand of shoe that I need to do a 10 and a half. Exactly. Because it's in their sizing, but anyway. I just want to touch on something you shared with this employee that said, oh, well, that's not how much I like, or I like less sauce on it. Such an easy trap for even us as business owners fall into. We start projecting our own beliefs and needs and desires and wants onto the business when it's not up to us. We're providing a service for the customer. Wait for the customer to let you know when to make those adjustments. And if you're consistent, it's easy to know if everyone's coming back saying, Hey, can I get a little bit more sauce or a little less sauce? Hey, can I get a little bit less sauce? Now you as a business owner say, okay, in general, maybe they want a little less sauce. So let's adjust it. It's not up to you. It's up to the customer if you're serving them the right way. 100%. Write a book. You just did it. Write a book. Let's read it. (laughs) I'll buy it. Awesome. Well, Eric, we're actually coming up on time here. And I knew that was going to go super, super quick, but you've got some exciting stuff in the works. Like You started with this one restaurant, but now you've opened others, correct? Yeah. Yeah. We have a franchise up Rexburg, Idaho right now. And he's looking at two more locations that we want to do. And he's been open just under five years. Well, he's into his fifth year now. His numbers at year four, I didn't see those numbers till year eight. Wow. Uh, So they're in Rexburg, Idaho. He's next to the college, uh, BYU, Idaho. Well, a lot of the kids from the Safford, Arizona area were Safford, Thatcher, Pima. We're all kind of one big community called the Gila Valley. A lot of the kids from this area will go up to Rexburg. And so when they go up there and they see those at Kainoa's, it was a perfect fit. They love it. And now I'm getting exposure all the way across the nation because there's a lot of kids from Georgia, New Jersey, Chicago that I've met when I'm up there doing inspections that love Kainoa's and want it to go to their location. Now, we were looking at going into the Phoenix market and then COVID hit. And so I pulled the brakes back really quick on that. My son-in-law, Levi McClellan, he is my general manager right now. And he's being trained. And so in the next year or two, we're going to send him down to Mesa, Phoenix area to start opening a couple down there. Because the thing I hear most is, why are you not expanding? That's a hard one for me because I want to expand. I created it to expand it, but I don't want to lose quality in the expansion. Awesome. That's so exciting. And listen, speaking from someone who's actually personally eaten at Kayanoa's, I live in the Phoenix area where there's restaurants galore. Not once have I found a Hawaiian restaurant like Kayanoa's. So this isn't just Eric talking and, and self-inflating his, his own business. I'm telling you, there's something special about it. And we have some family back up in the area where this restaurant was started. And that's one of our go-tos. Every time we op- go up there, we, we're always stopping at Kayanoa's for a plate or lunch. So, And I appreciate that. And it's if you're starting a business... Look at your competition. Look at what's around you. Um, I am a, a restaurant. And so I want a restaurant that's different than others, but there are other people in that Hawaiian realm. So what are you going to do in your business to set you apart? And in mine, it it was the flavor profile. I had to nail the flavor profile. And then I had to do a hybrid. We're not on the island. So pokey, uh, mahi, um, some of those dishes don't work in Arizona. I can't get to the fresh fish. So what am I going to do? We're in Arizona tacos. 
So I take my katsu and I make a hot wing style taco called a Blairstown taco. It, it, ridiculous how many people live off of that. Then we translate it into fries called the Blairstown fries. That's like legalized crack cocaine for these college kids. They come in and <laughs> enough of it. And it, so when you're starting your business, look at your environment, look at what's around you and what can you do to set yourself apart and to be better. It's always about being better. Love it. Well said. Well, Eric, as we wrap this up, there's four questions I like to ask every guest at the end of, of each episode. So let's get into those. And number one, first of all, thank you for your time. This is absolutely, absolutely incredible. And just hearing the journey. So thank you for inviting us into that. So what is one absolute book recommendation for those looking to scale or further develop their millionaire mind? That was a hard one because I'm not a big reader, but there are four or five books that have actually captured my deal. And the one I'm going to say is Old Man in the Sea by Ernest Hemingway. You want to talk about perseverance and a lone journey. He's the only one who experienced it. If you haven't read it, read it. And I don't want to give it away, but he's the only one who experienced that journey from beginning to end. And he's the only one who knows what happened. And it's all about perseverance in the worst kind of situation you could ever find yourself in. And when it was all said and done, he was the only one who could talk about it. So Old Man in the Sea, if you want to learn something about perseverance, that's the book I would read. Awesome. Thanks for sharing. And what has been one of your favorite quotes that you've embodied and lived by? Listen has the same letters as silent. If I come to you and say, hey, I need you to do this, don't ever say, I know, I know. Obviously, you don't or else I wouldn't be talking to you. As a coach, same thing. I've coached a lot of sports. Anyone who's ever played any sport for me knows, listen has the same letters as silent. If the coach is talking, you better be silent. And there's no better way to learn than to listen. I'm going through that with my eight-year-old daughter right now. Yeah. She knows everything. Yeah. So yeah. it's funny. So Eric, if there was one thing you could share with fellow business owners that are beginning or simply trying to get to that next level, what would it be? Imagine. Just imagine. Imagine where you want to be and then lean into the hill. Love it. Love it. And Eric, how can our listener get in contact with you or, or learn more about what you're doing, what you're up to? A lot of it is you can, uh, we have a website, kainoas.com, K-A-I-N-O-A-S.com. Or you just, you search Hawaiian food, Thatcher, Arizona, or Hawaiian food, Arizona, and you look for Kainoas. And Kainoas is our middle name, The sorry, our middle son, that's his first name. And we used it, not because he's our favorite, but because it, <laughs> it worked with the deal. The, if you ever see all the smoothies, those are named after the rest of the family, but um if you go onto there, there, you'll be able to see kind of our what we're about. And my email is eric, E-R-I-C, at kainoasgrill.com. And anyone can reach out to me. So when I franchise, it's about the franchisee as much, if not more, than it's about me. Because I'm good. I'm happy. I love where I'm at in my life. I don't need everything. I have all I need right here. If I can help somebody else experience what Kainoas has done to bless my family, why would I not want to do that for others so that they can have what I'm experiencing, which is amazing. I have time to spend with my family. I'm able to go in and be proud of what I'm doing. We make a huge difference in the community. That's another thing. Always give back to the community. Everyone knows if you need help with something, 
with a school sport or a sponsorship or something. I sponsor bowling teams. I sponsor all different kinds of high school sports. And the big one is like, if there's ever a tragedy in the community, like the passing from a youth to an accident or something, a lot of times I will donate the meat to that funeral and ask whoever I'm donating to, don't tell them. Because I, I need the blessings as much as I need the money, you know, and if someone else can have this in their life, it's worth it. That's powerful stuff. And some of the most successful business owners I know have that attitude of becoming a go-giver. So yeah. I, I love it. This has been an incredible conversation with Eric. And if this is your first time listening, I'm so glad that you tuned in. People have been asking me what my company does. So since I have you here listening to my show, I'll share that with you now. My company partners with busy professionals just like Eric that are looking to experience significant tax savings, have more to invest, and even reinvest their hard-earned capital. And we work with other successful business owners like you by offering them opportunities to invest alongside us in large apartment deals. At Rev, we found that most successful business owners have a strong desire to give and serve, just like Eric wrapped up his interview by sharing. And, uh, and what we do is we simply provide the vehicle to enable them to grow and preserve their wealth so they can give up their time and financial success more abundantly and freely. If you've been wanting to get involved in apartment investing, but have been too busy to figure out where or how to start, then you can find out how I can serve you by visiting investwithrev.com and schedule a 15-minute discovery call. It can be overwhelming vending the right investment and the right operator, but at Rev, we make apartment investing easy. Eric, again, thank you so much for your time. This has been absolutely incredible. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you. And to our listener, remember, you can't have a million-dollar dream with a minimum wage work ethic. So go out there and earn your win for today, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Hope you got value from this episode of The Millionaire Mind, a journey into the mindset of successful business owners. If you want to get results, you've got to take the right steps to get there. Dallin hosts a free weekly educational webinar focused on teaching you how to start investing in apartments so you too can experience the benefits of real estate ownership without doing any of the heavy lifting. There you can gain insights, connect with others like you, and ask Dallin all your burning questions about how you can start owning apartments today. Go to themillionairemind.us. That link is in the show notes.